You are now listening to the High Def Performance Podcast, hosted by Mitch Harb and Zach Smith. Yo, is this one working? It is working. We are live. Check, check. I feel like we've got to eventually get an upgrade to the system. And I know it's just like we can hear each other super well. But I feel like we'd be in a, a different zone locked in if we had some headphones. Headphones? Like, I, I like when I use the, the headphone set on the uh, <laughs> for the virtual pods. Why? I don't know. I just feel like Joe Rogan, man. Oh, well, Joe the, Rogan? Uh, we could get the... Uh, Audio Technica. I mean, these are Audio Technicas, but the the like Lewis Howes ones. Yeah, the headset. They're like three fifty a piece. Those ones come with the mic attached. Yeah, and there's also Audio Technica headphones or I- any other headphones that you can get that go with these as well. Um, but you'd have to have a different box here to set up the mic and the headphones. So those are those are I think three fifty each. These ones were a hundred. Yeah. So I was like, I know I got to get two. Mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, these I have really, these have really it. nice sound quality. I yeah, feel like, I can't do it. But it is, it would be nice to have uh, the headphones. But Rogan doesn't do that, does he? He has a set of headphones and then a separate mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's okay. what I'm saying. Like that, that would they, be kind of cool. His guests have. don't wear one though, mm-hmm. do they? Yeah, okay. they'll wear them. I think depending on on what's going on. I feel like in videos, like Elon didn't have a head headphones on. I know the old studio is different than the new studio, mm. and I think he's going to be building a, a, even a different one. I wonder how that. Yeah, I, th- I think about how cool that old studio was that Joe Rogan was in. He had all his. He stuff doesn't have it up. anymore had, at all. I don't know. I have no idea. But he had like all his like float tank, and he had his like all of his like saunas and and a whole gym set up there. Like he had a whole warehouse of stuff. That's why I feel like he's. And now he's just inside of I don't know, like. I guess I don't know how much of of on it he owns, but I kind of feel like an intruder, 50%. you know, like just taking a bunch of it, setting up. But but you have be- access to better equipment. It's interesting though because you've been to on it, but like when I looked at on it on on Google Maps, I've never been there, but it looked very inconspicuous. It's just like in a in a normal looking like uh like warehouse plaza where there's like a ton of other warehouses and oh, other fitness places right next door. It reminds me of a. Uh, like downtown can't you know there's that warehouse district mm-hmm. it's literally like that yeah like i remember going out there i was like who like who's coming out here you know and then it's just they own like three warehouses yeah one happens to be the gym yeah but and one's probably what the shipping and hand yep. the shipping uh and fulfillment for and for on it product and then one has like offices and stuff so maybe joe will buy his own whole warehouse down there or something <laughs> well there's more warehouses so they'll probably just I think they were always looking at like getting the next one. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes Onnyville, sense. Onnyville, dude. Yeah. Well, and, cool. and they're becoming a obviously a big company, and with Geo Rogan behind it, you have a lot of power to be able to do that. But um, I know he said he threw up that studio that he's in right now in a in a super big hurry. So now it's like I've I think been in that I think, room. I think he's gonna be building a new one. I've been in that room. Yeah. I was just talking to a patient who was telling me that they went to on it like not too long ago to do like a, I think they went and did a workout, did like a, like some type type of like mace, steel mace. Not maybe it wasn't a workshop? mace. No, I think it was just like they went to a workout, and they were in the parking lot and saw Joe Rogan there in his Tesla. Really? Yeah. Dang. But um, 
I mean, you know, he's going to be there, but. I wanted to meet him. I want to see if I was taller than him. <laughs> I bet you guys are similar height, man. He's, but he's, he's a little more stacked. Yeah, so he's, he's like 200, good. right? Or 195? Yeah. I'm like 170. Taking testosterone, though. So I know. He's got the advantage on He's you. also like 55. Yeah. yeah. I'll get there in 20. He's got that old man muscle, man. 25 I, I feel years. like that's a real thing. You know, it's like from just years of working out, you put on like just like that he said like, it. legacy muscle. He's man. like, I never stopped working out. Yeah. So after like you just keep on adding and adding and adding and slowly. And you just can I mean you see like any 50-year-old guy versus like an a 20-year-old guy when you look at them even if they don't work out. You just know that there's years of like, like that density about them. Yeah, there's <laughs> like just the years of like using your body for over time, you just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So. The, like the typical is uh it made me think of when Mike Tyson took his shirt off. You're like yeah, it's not like that good, but it, you could tell the guy worked out. Yeah, like, yeah. you're just like there's like flab in areas that 20 years ago there wasn't, but yeah. you still got that like build. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and I anytime I see a guy who doesn't look like that, I'm like, they're taking something at that age. Testosterone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about testosterone replacement? I've gone over this. Obviously, I'm not at a point in my life right now, in my early 30s, that I would need um, a testosterone replacement. But I go back and forth on it in my head, whether or not I'll do it or want to do it. I guess it, it'll depend on how I feel, you know, also, because mm -hmm. I've heard the the big thing is like you feel a lot more energetic than if you don't. But like, I think once you start doing it, you've got to just keep doing it because then you I assume that you'll really tank your numbers if you take it and then stop taking it well that was my thing is like i just hate being dependent on anything you know so like i feel like the second you start like yeah so i don't know i'd be interested though because right now by I'm, the time we need it i feel like it may be a yeah. little more uh yeah i i feel like i want to do one of those i, I want to do a test right now and just see where my testosterone level is right now naturally mm. and then track that over time because like well then yeah, if also if i was at like eight or nine hundred i mean i don't even but know what, what are you even doing right now specifically to raise those levels you know like weightlifting but i think you could probably before you went that route you could probably do things naturally yeah at least try like you're not you're not maximizing your testosterone boosting workouts right yeah. you're just kind of lifting weight for sure i i I think so. That's true. But like, there's just so some like chemistry that you just can't get over. And, and I don't know, all, all I think I'll have to do a lot, a lot of research. And I honestly am not well researched in this realm. So, right. you know, whoever's listening to this realize that you can take this with a grain of salt, but you know, like, you know, I'd have to do a lot of research to know what the positives and the negatives are the negative, of, yeah. of taking it. And, and same for women here that are listening uh, that because like there's there's hormone replacement, obviously, for women as well that can do estrogen and stuff like that to for postmenopausal women. And so there's I think there's a there's a decision that you've got to make and you've got to kind of, uh, you know, weigh the 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 positives and the negatives to it. And you know, for the people who view aging as a disease, it's an interesting topic because you go, you know, as you age, you lose testosterone level and testosterone leads to loss of muscle mass, increased fat mass, increase of cardiovascular disease or, or whatever it is. Then you go, okay, well, maybe losing testosterone is actually kind of 
almost a disease process. So why don't we reverse that? And that's how a lot of like anti-aging experts view, um, view aging is that it's a disease and that anything that's happening with aging negatively, you should try to, to counteract that with some sort of like pharmaceutical or, or knowledge of it, you know, but, but the problem is like, testosterone replacement isn't that simple it's not like you're just naturally doing it right because it's one injection you know once a week or whatever it is that you Uh do that's not how our testosterone works our testosterone cycles naturally because you know it's it's released naturally i i don't necessarily agree i don't know that i agree with i guess i think like it's just something that does happen and i agree that you should do things to try to slow it down or counteract it but like i don't i don't see it as like something that shouldn't be happening i think it's just well it's just something it that we've just accepted for such a long time yeah. is is aging but do you think that aging is a disease no like you get old yeah you know like but you could say that about cancer you like a lot of people get cancer but that's they do yeah and you want to do everything you can do to prevent that. But I don't think you like, I don't think you get it. And you're like, all right, it's cause I didn't do this. Like, yeah, yeah the problem is it's like, it's just aging, aging causes like all of the highest risk factors of death. You know, like when we're young, our risk factors of death right now, the highest, it just for us raises is like, your odds. We're kind of out of the motor vehicle accident group. It raises your odds of it. Yeah, and we're, and we're out of the opioid uh, um, overdose, or, or that's kind of like the young people's thing is like opioids and and car accidents. And then when you get to a certain age, it kind of flips to like heart disease, heart attacks, and then like you get older, it's like Alzheimer's, dementia. And I'm just obviously playing devil's advocate. I don't know that I believe that that I don't think that aging purely is a disease, but I know that aging causes a lot of diseases. So maybe you should try to stop the aging rather than try to prevent all you know what i'm saying like it's like try to stop yeah. the top of the funnel yeah rather than trying to stop all these offshoots because like but i don't i'm doing it's... a bunch of stuff to prevent alzheimer's like taking yeah. all these all these supplements fish oil and like trying to work on memory stuff you know because alzheimer's runs in my family uh i don't <clears> think it's it should be labeled as trying to stop it though i feel like it's trying to slow it down yeah you know because and i think people's idea of aging maybe is different than mine or yours whereas like people have accepted the typical aging which is just getting unhealthy and and succumb into all these diseases that are uh somewhat um you know you can you can stop them and prevent yeah yeah but preventable illness but i think like eventually like you know when you're 80 years old like you're gonna slow down i don't i don't see like I need to do all these things to be exactly like I was when I was 20 years old. I'm like, nah, like things are going to slow down, but yeah, like, like I was listening to an episode of with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, he's 66 mm-hmm. and he's like, he's like, man, you know, I've worked hard to master my brain and, and help that out and yeah. allow myself. So, so I think like, you know, you should do everything to sustain and, and keep going and I, and I think like when I'm six years old, hopefully I, I haven't declined, you know, because of these things that we're doing now. Um, but I think they're still like, you're going to, yeah, you're, you're expiring. 
right? And like your yeah. job is to just like try to. But there are people out there that, that truly believe that. Oh, I know that. that they can stop, like literally freeze, or even I, I, you know, they they say like on the horizon, maybe in the next fifty to hundred years, like people may be able to reverse a lot of aspects of aging. Yeah. like things like i like eyesight loss it just sucks that like you know as you as you go on you just have to accept this gradual decline and i think there's a lot of people out there that are unwilling to accept that especially like these guys that are in the science of longevity and anti-aging you know they're not willing to accept that like oh i just as a function of my life going on i just get a lose i lose testosterone i lose muscle mass and i get I get fatter, you know, I get more unhealthy. I can't move as well. I don't have as very, you know, as good a cardiovascular fitness. And so I think, you know, trying to not accept it is kind of what I'm trying to do is like, you know, do everything you can to prevent it. Cause we do have the examples of older individuals who are doing amazing things, uh, physically, mentally, all that stuff. for their age though. Like, like, I don't think you're going to like, I agree. Like when I get older, hopefully, I, like I want to still be able to do. Maybe I'll do an Ironman when yep. I'm fifty. Like yep. I, th- I think that's hundred percent possible. Oh, yeah. When you live smart, but sure. I don't think I need to be fifty. Like I could go play in the NFL now. Yeah, I'm yeah. ready to roll. Like I think stuff like that, and maybe that's just like a different type of athlete. But I think stuff like that is something you have a a window of, and yeah, and. No, I think for sure, like windows, windows close, come and go, you know, but and I think I'm okay with that. Like, I don't need to be 50. Like, I just, I just got a 40 inch vert for the first time. Like, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to think when it starts to come, because like, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people talking about like, when you hit 40, like things go downhill again. And it's like, that kind of just sucks. You know, I mean, I mean, like, we're not there. So we don't know what it's like to live like that. But I, I feel like i've already gotten hints of it like where i've gone out and tried to like jump and i feel like man my legs just don't fire like they used to yeah. and that like really motivated me to start trying to work out in a way that would like help that to improve again mm-hmm. i'm like just i don't want to accept the inevitability of that but at the same time it's like you know if there's something you can do like you know after you're 50 you start taking testosterone replacement therapy and that helps you to to more easily maintain because the other thing is like you've got to work a lot harder to get the same results yeah. later in your life yeah. because of the fact that you don't have any testosterone and growth hormone and stuff like that um so i just think like there's nothing i want to do that i can't right now for sure but i think there will eventually be stuff that you want to do that, that you can't and then like what like go and sprint or like play a flag football game or like, you know, like playing a Turkey bowl or, you know, like something like that where it's like, you just don't have the the physical capacity to do it. I think I'll always be able to do it. Maybe not. I, I know now I wouldn't be able to go do it at the same level, you know, which is crazy to think though, because there's a lot of people that are in their prime in sports at 30 or 29, but I haven't been trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I see too is like, I don't know that I don't know that all this aging a hundred percent is a result of just aging versus like lack of effort. Where is your priorities? For sure. Like when I was younger, that's all I had. That's oh, all I was sure. focused on. Oh, now for sure. for sure. Like you and I, like I could be a lot stronger if I set out the time to be. Yeah. And and that's what I think maybe. I don't know. 
maybe I would only do testosterone replacement if I was doing all the other things right. But and also, nothing was happening. Yeah, but also it's like, but then if you take that, you can maybe do half of what you need, what you would have to do otherwise. So it's, an, yeah. it's definitely an interesting conversation that I'll have to have with myself uh, later on in my life. And, and kind of, like I said, you know, get the benefits and, and, and ben, a risk benefit analysis. And then also maybe by then there'll be a better um, option for something that will help replace that in a more natural way. That's less harmful. So, you know, the good thing is I don't even think testosterone replacement's been around for that long medically, like in a medical way, people were doing extra testosterone for bodybuilding for a long time, but I don't think it's, it's, it's not been like a hundred years that we've been using yeah. testosterone replacement. You know, so my, I think it's just going to get better and better. What's more interesting to me. And I'm not, you, you know more about the whole stem cell stuff than I do. I feel like that would be more interesting. Like, like to just not, not be as broken down. Yeah, and I mean, arguably, there could be some stem cell use to repair testosterone uh, secreting glands and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, stem cells could essentially be used to fix everything Anything. in theory, right? Like that's what they're using right now is, well, not stem cells, but they're using the that virus that can go in and, and in your eye and, and uh, replace broken uh, DNA, RNA, and repair like your retina and re like replace your eyesight and that's already here where they're ha they have stuff that can do that so like you know there there's like some feasibility to being able to use you know all these technologies to be able to to like i fix anything i would rather just be hope that i'm pain free as i get older that's where i like i i'm less worried about like can i still bench 300 you know or anything like that I'm more like, I don't want to be the old guy, like, oh, bad back, yeah. arthritis. Yep, for sure. Yeah. No, and I think, I think stem cells will come along, be more uh, accessible. A lot more, a like, lot we more. know someone who we can get it from. I don't know if I want to pay that money right yeah, now. Right now, it's really expensive. It's like, you know, it could be five to $10,000 per pop, and, and you're not even guaranteed a result. I was going to say, <laughs> you got to keep going, probably too, right? depending yeah the idea of stem cells is that it'll repair I've heard a lot of people repair whatever you're trying to repair but yeah it, it doesn't always work i mean i i've known some people that have paid eight thousand dollars for a stem cell treatment of a knee didn't take it's done a little bit over like six months but they ended up just getting the knee replaced anyway so then you just spent eight g's try to fix a knee that just end up you don't even have that knee anymore you know you got it fully replaced do you so. get the eight g's back no, <laughs> no. That, I mean, that, and, but that's what the doctors do a good job of explaining to you before you get stem cells. Is to say, sure. you're like, hey, like this is a, this has got a 25 or 50 percent success rate. Hey, this. I've even had I've sent people to, or had patients that have gone to stem cell doctors who have just been like, this isn't going to work for your condition. Like, don't like don't waste the ten thousand dollars on two treatments of this. Yeah, this is not going to be something that's going to reverse the amount of damage that you have. So you think as time goes on, like that percentage will go up? Yeah, I think it'll be better. But the thing we have to figure out is how to fix stuff that's really far along in the degenerative process mm -hmm. versus 
right now I think stem cells work on mild mild to moderate conditions better. But like I would say I have some mild degeneration of the backside of my kneecap, but I'm not even thinking about getting stem cells when maybe I'd be the best one to use it, but I'm also not in a, in a position to be able enough. to pay for it. And yeah. it doesn't bother me that much that so I'd want to spend 10 grand. So it's like, it's really, I think it's a harder sell. It's yeah. easier to sell someone on stem cells when they're like, okay, you're either going to try stem cells or replace your knee. And a lot of people are really against like, oh, I want to keep my parts. Let me use the stem cells, mm -hmm. but you're too far along that the stem cells are actually going to help. So it's actually not a viable option. And so we need something and, and kind of what, what we've been seeing is also like artificial cartilage regrowth is going to be a big one coming up in the next, you know, a couple huge. decades. And then also like things like surgical procedures like i had on my knee called microfracture where they go in and drill small holes into the bone down to the bone marrow they hope for blood and and bone marrow to come out and form a scar tissue in in the area of lost cartilage but now they're combining that with stem cell injections to help to try to create uh actual cartilage growth in the area of of um of the chondral defect. And so there's a lot of things that are coming out in the, in the near future. And I think, I think we'll just see in general, everything in medicine getting better, you know, like there's, there's really nothing you can look at. I mean, there's a few diseases, but there's really no conditions right now where you go, man, we're just as good at treating this. We haven't gotten any better in the last 40 years. You know, like, I think like basically everything, you know, like people live really long, with hiv and aids and yeah. because we're able to manage that condition uh people people are able to um to live much longer and and um we're able to cure a lot more cancers and things like that because we're a lot more targeted right like although yeah it's still i was talking about this with someone the other day that we were saying like in 50 years we'll probably look at chemotherapy kind of like like how people would like what was it called like bloodletting where they would just drain all your blood and like hope that works like we're like let's just fucking because throw you into because and hope it works yeah because chemo is very non-targeted and i think yeah. that's where we're getting uh, a lot better at uh -huh. specific cell targeting but we'll probably look back like that was barbaric like you would just go and hope well, we already it. have things like that in cancer like yeah. so for example i don't know how many years ago 30 40 Def, definitely under 50 years ago, um, eh, probably maybe even 20 years. I don't know what the timeline is, but for people who had brain cancer, that was metastasized brain cancer, we would just radiate the entire brain. Yeah. So it was like you killed the cancer. Hope that you don't but, kill anything else good. But you did every time. So it was like the person became essentially like a vegetable or like way muted function yeah. because we just had to radiate the person's whole brain. Well, what's going to happen if you radiate a brain? It's going to be, you know, you're going to lose all function. Mm -hmm. Now we have something called gamma knife, which is just a very, very um, precise radiation dose that comes off the tip of this, this gamma knife where basically like you insert that into the brain, into the area that you want to radiate and you just psh, zap that spot. Yeah. And so you lose some function in that immediate area that you had to kill that, that tumor, but yeah. uh, it becomes a lot more precise and people can save function and maintain function a lot better for sure. So I think that that's what we're getting is a lot more like specificity of our treatments. It's just kind of like antibiotics, man. It's like, we need to invent something 
that doesn't just go in and kill everything. It yeah. just kills the bacteria that we're trying to kill. Yep. You know, because right now it's like, oh, dude, you get you get this infection. We're just going to give you this antibiotic. It's not only going to kill that infection, but it's going to kill all of your gut. (laughs) Yeah, it's like and and it's going to and that can throw you off. And and I don't I don't think we fully understand the understand the the downstream effects of just killing off all essentially all bacteria in your body. Well, and I think about that, like I would you it's something you don't notice in people. But I would wonder how many people, because of an era where that was so common, are having some gut issues. It's still so common. Are having some gut issues, right? Like, and maybe even more than gut issues. Like it, you don't know. There, like there, there are people that you that, can't see it, right? There, that someone's yeah. like having diarrhea all the time. Like, like you know, there's there's shit you won't notice. But yeah, from like, chronic use of of mm-hmm. of uh, of antibiotics mm-hmm. and. And I think there there are people that are are um, theorizing that it, that kind of use of antibiotics is causing a lot of other things. Like it could be leading to things like Alzheimer's and things like brain, because there's the gut, the gut brain, brain access. And, yeah. yeah, like people, pe- you know, there's there's a lot more impact I think than we understand in the body, mm-hmm. and and now that's what we're we're starting to understand. And and that's kind of goes back to your point of chemotherapy is like, yeah, you kill. What chemotherapy does is it kills all fast replicating cells yeah and so you know cancers are fast replicating cells so you kill that but you also kill hair that's why you lose your hair you also kill like your skin lining like in your mouth you can get ulcers because that's like a fast replicating cell so like it just def you know decimates all of those fast replicating cells let's throw you in an oven burn you (laughs) but yeah and hope that the yeah the one piece on your elbow gets burnt yeah exactly it's not it's non-specific yeah and that's where we're starting to see some of like the use of of viruses that have been taken the rna has been taken out and replaced with something else and using like how the virus attacks specific cells to try and use that techno- that natural technology alter it and then send those viruses after those cancer cells yeah and things like that so you know there's i think there's just gonna be a lot of cool stuff man um yeah. you know even in the even in the orthopedic world you know like i think you know joint replacements used to be a one size fits all kind of thing and now it's like they can go in and measure 3d whatever the size of your of your of your joint was and and replicate the exact size and i think right now we're at like a small medium and large kind of deal but like there are some companies that are starting to do some like more customizable sizes of things which only makes sense you know it's like i don't think you want like uh, like you know like you don't want that loose fitting shirt feel in your knee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, so you you don't want that, that like kind of general, Oh, this will kind of fit. Yeah. So, so we're changing that a lot and changing our surgical procedures as well. Like how, how we go in and, and do orthopedic procedures. You know, we used to only do open procedures, right? Like where, Oh, we got to open this up and look at it with our eyeballs. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, we have these these scopes that we can use and go in through portholes. So you get four portholes and mm-hmm. well, that's all we need. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, now we have robotic assisted stuff. And even from my surgery, I mean, I have four portholes on my knee and now I'm seeing people that are getting the same surgery with two portholes. They're getting really good at, you know, going in and, and doing minimal damage, but also just, just to be aware for people, amount of scars or size of scars doesn't really predict like how good the surgeon is or how good the surgery was um it's just aesthetics on the outside Mm -hmm. 
but we're getting a lot better with like robot assisted surgeries and things like that that make things extremely precise yeah. um versus like kind of like doing it by hand you know so right, right. yeah because there's that human error oh and there's a huge seen that and the, yeah there's a huge there's a huge component to that and you know i now we know that we can line up things with radiograph and and um robotic technology on joint replacements to get because you don't want to put like a knee in like three degrees rotated immediately or laterally. you know you, you want it to be lined up so that this person f- doesn't feel like they're walking sideways right. and i've seen i still see a lot of surgeries that get botched man like uh, it's not you know like it well, in the past that? year i've seen a, a ton of people that have had to go and get second opinions third opinions fourth opinions after a surgery that they had to fix quote unquote fix a problem that they had and then now they end up going through this process where it doesn't feel right and now they got to go get another one yeah absolutely uh so we had some questions as well let's go over those questions yeah for sure so um switch gears into into some like workout uh some and and i got some questions basically on soft tissue and i know you use foam rolls with your with with our clients quite a bit mm-hmm. um and and this person asked you know is foam rolling better um before after or both you know for a workout right do you, do you, so how do you, you i know i know how you would answer this probably but but give us your best answer on on how you use foam rolls how you view it and then how you have your clients do it you know mine more so comes down to uh making giving someone a feeling you know like there's there's i feel like there's mixed studies on the results right like and it's not going to really have like this long lasting thing but if you come in you've been sitting down all day and you roll out you know that feeling where you're like oh man. yeah yeah and it gives you some short-term relief yeah right? maybe like a dopamine hit and exactly some relief of some like natural pain relieving things you're not as tight for a little bit yep and so like that was always my mindset and just from courses i've taken they talked about that is like you know someone will be able to achieve a better position in this workout because you did that yeah and and also they're like okay i feel a little relief yeah yeah you know the tightness exactly yeah and that is what you want that's going to give you the best workout versus you come in all stiff and you could try and stretch a little bit. But, um, my, my mindset is like, how can I get someone to feel their best and move their best in this hour? Yep. And so I would always start them with that. Yeah. Um, as far as finishing the workout, I think that's a, a personalized thing too you know if they like to do that i don't think it's 100 percent necessary no but. and and i don't think that foam rolling after a workout actually to me from my own personal opinion my own personal experience and the literature it doesn't decrease soreness it doesn't decrease like instance of injury you know like people and the, my biggest pet peeve is when when i hear trainers telling people going yeah we're gonna do some foam roll to help break up the fascia it's like do you even know what fascia yeah, is? Yeah. We're not breaking up fascia. We're not breaking up scar tissue. You're not going to sit on a piece of foam yeah. and break up a piece of scar tissue. Nor maybe do you want to. I, I was going to say, why do you want to break that up? 
And people always think of like, oh yeah, you want to get rid of all that scar tissue. But people don't realize that when you have a muscle injury or a or a tendon injury, what is a what does a muscle heal with? Your body can't heal muscle with muscle. It, our body, surprisingly, is not smart enough. Just like when you get a skin injury, our body does not heal skin with epithelium. It heals it with a scar tissue. So you need that scar tissue to fix whatever you wanted. If, if you have a muscle injury and it heals with scar tissue, what you want is for the muscle to heal correctly in the right fiber orientation. And we know that like total rest and this is going off on a tangent but total rest like if you tore your achilles and then i put you in a boot non-weight bearing for eight weeks that could be a bad thing over time because while your body is trying to heal that injury it's the fibroblasts or the the cells inside your muscle that are telling the or that are laying down scar tissue don't know what orientation to lay it down in so it becomes a chaotic spider web of of scar tissue that's laid down versus if you lightly load that tissue while it's healing it tells that fibroblast how to how to lay it down in the right orientation where it matches the line of pull mm-hmm. and and i you know i've recently seen a guy who had that scenario happen where he had a lot of achilles surgeries and it led to a problem where and and this happens in a lot of tendon injuries where it's like uh, unloaded and and even in muscle injuries that's why i say like if you strain a hamstring or you pull a hamstring uh and and you get an injury there you don't just want to completely rest it you don't want to take that muscle to a point where you're causing more damage but you have to move the muscle while it's while it's being uh while it's being repaired so that your muscle gets repaired optimally. But you're not going to go in there, nor do you want to, and take a foam roll and break up that hamstring scar tissue. Now, what you might be doing is putting that pressure, maybe causing a neural input that caused your body to come and remodel that area to fix some of that scar tissue, but there's not a whole lot of science in that. But stop, if you're a trainer out there, stop telling people that you're breaking up scar tissue. If you're you're just a... uh, uh, fitness enthusiast or athlete don't you don't have to believe you're not getting in there to break anything up this is like literally purely like a pain relief thing i know for myself when i foam roll and and i like to start with foam rolling as well i don't ever f- remember foam rolling after a workout mm-hmm. um but like for me my big one that i hit i don't even really hit my legs like honestly the only place i ever foam roll for myself personally and this doesn't mean that this is the right answer for everybody but I don't like foam rolling my legs. I'll, the next question, I'll answer what I do sometimes prior to a workout. But um, I like to do my back and I get a lot of um, like like uh, cavitations or like popping of like the joints in my back. And that actually does. And that's the same what chiropractic does. You know, chiropractors will tell you that, you know, they're realigning the spine by popping your joints. Nothing is out of your and this goes into another soapbox. Nothing is out of place in your spine. If your spine was dislocated, you would be in a very bad place. Yeah. Nothing's out of place. There's no evidence of subluxations. What you're getting when you get a chiropractic manipulation is just like when you pop a knuckle, you get this cavitation, which we believe is the release of nitrogen from the joint and uh, nitrogen gas. But what that does is it causes a short-term re- release of epinephrine in that area um and and uh probably a little bit of a dopamine hit as well just from the feeling of it and it causes a short-term pain relief which allows you to move more optimally through that joint for for a short period of time so that's yeah. what you're kind of talking about where let's like 
pressing on something or getting a massage, you know, like anytime you get a massage, it's like that good feeling that kind of relaxes you, relaxes the muscle. Exactly. But it doesn't solve anything. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why, like, you can get a massage and it feels good and it loosens (laughs) you up. But then, yeah, you got to go back. And same with chiropractic. You, so what I try to do, and this is how I structure my physical therapy as well. And I don't necessarily do the reason why I don't use foam rolls because I use my hands with people exactly. and I use tools, exactly. but it's the same this idea. Like, my version. like if you're a trainer and you're not skilled with your hands, then have someone use a foam roll and, and nothing kills me more than when I see a trainer trying to give a massage in a gym. And I'm just like, man, just don't even try to give yeah. somebody like, what are you doing? Like giving someone a massage while they're standing up, like, or sitting on a bed. It's just kind of awkward, It is. but anyway use the foam roll the same way it helps to to create that sensation of of relieving pain and it helps that create that sensation of relaxation so someone can move more optimally and that's how i structure all of my pt sessions is we start with some sort of manual therapy hands-on stuff that allows that patient to move more optimally and then we always reinforce it with movement right like you wouldn't like to me, if I ever got a massage, I wouldn't just go get my neck massaged and then come home and sit on a couch. If I got my neck massaged, I would now do some neck stretches, maybe even some neck strengthening exercises to reinforce and regain the range of the motion range of actively that that person just gave me passively. Yeah. But if you don't ever do that, it just everything just tightens up and stiffens up again. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I structure my home program. That's how I structure uh, people doing um, their their home exercise program as well as like, you know, if, if you're going to do soft tissue, you're going to do heat or whatever, you know, follow that by some sort of movement that reinforces that behavior. Well, that's our first phase yep. of our workouts. You know, you're going to do the the rolling and then you're going to do some dynamic movement through that new range of motion that you're gaining and then we're going to use that range of motion and train it the rest of the workout that's why the p5 method for 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 training setting up a training program exists and that's why just random shit that's why the r4 method exists and it's all based off of like it's interesting because it's kind of like intermingled physical therapy with personal training with like soft tissue practices Mm -hmm. and and we spent a long time and and thought long and hard and and there's a lot of other people out there that structure their workouts similarly but i feel like ours is actually really unique in the fact that like of how like how we have our five phases and how we have them specifically broken away from each other and when i train people i use that p5 system every single time because it doesn't fail it literally creates a, a, a good environment for workout and it creates a good exercise stimulus every single time and and i think people enjoy it i was gonna say experiences there too exactly and same with the r4 method is like that that you get you know that soft tissue first and you feel like oh yeah i got my neck stretched out i got my back mobilized and now i go in and can move it again Mm -hmm. through that through that range a little bit better and it's funny you know like you said there are other trainers that we see structuring it kind of similar and that kind of makes you think like oh everyone must do this but that's that bubble on Instagram of the best people. Cause then I'll go in the gym and I'll just be like looking around and I'll see like a client come into their trainer and they go right on the bench immediately, like start warming up on the bench rest. I'm like, it's so crazy because to me that trainer's probably never been an athlete or never been a good athlete. What sports practice have you ever gone to where you're like, Oh yeah, like uh, you know, like uh, I'm a baseball player. 
show up to practice and get right to the batter's Live box. pitch. Yeah. All right, we're going for it. Yeah. We're like, okay, we're, you know, show up to football practice. Throw your pads All right, on. Pads on. Get on the line. Kickoff's we're, coming. Yeah, we're going. <laughs> No one does that, man. Yeah. No one goes and runs a sprint and track without warming up. It's the basis of sports. And weightlifting at its core is a sport. It's an athletic event. You have to do some sort of movement warm up. Don't just go and get and your the the um the ramp up sets don't count as warm up. Putting no weight on a bench press bar and doing a few reps at 45 pounds and then doing a couple reps at 135 that is not a warm-up you've prepped your tissue zero by doing that and trust me i've done that myself Mm -hmm. in a short time where i've been like dude i gotta just gotta get this workout and i've got 30 minutes i don't have time for this you gotta do something man like have a band in your bag do some band pull aparts do some external rotations if you're working chest Mm -hmm. like do some dynamic mobility don't just static stretch either that's not going to help you. It's actually probably going to cause a decrease in power. Go and do some dynamic warm-up, mobilization, walking hamstring stretches, walk, like some dynamic hip mobilizations, things like that. Core get your, yeah, get yeah. your get your body ready to move and 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 resist. And that's what I talked to a guy the other day about about his running, and he was talking about how he has Achilles pain when he first starts running and he gets out the door. But it's because he doesn't do any warm up, and his run is a warm up. And yes, running is a warm up for some people. Yeah. But if you have Achilles issue, your warm up now becomes calf raises, two up, one down calf raises, single leg calf raises, and then I have this guy doing some dynamic ankle mobilizations, and then doing a hopping program, like do like hey, three six by thirty different direction hop double leg ankle hops get that tendon ready for the pounding and then go out and do the do the workout that's a five minute warm-up yep you just prepared your tendons and your muscles to to go and then you're not gonna have pain when you run and and i think what what you have to also realize is like you want to give your best performance in your sessions in your workouts right yeah just hopping on the bench you'll never reach your potential because I've been there in that workout where I'm like, like at the end, I finally feel like, okay, I got it now. Yep. And all those other sets were such a struggle. It's like, so you just wasted all that time. You wasted it for right? sure. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you don't want to be warmed up 30 minutes into your workout because <laughs> you just wasted half of it. Right. Like you, when you start doing working sets, you got to be, you got to be feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. I, Man, I've got a lot of beasts with the world of of training and and I think that I don't know how it gets solved, man. I think one of the ways that it gets solved is having a higher barrier of entry to be a trainer because yeah. right now any Joe Schmo out of high school that like benched that thinks they can bench, you know, 200 pounds or 300 pounds and they think they know what they're doing, thinks they can train someone, mm-hmm. but I think you should really have to take some sort of advanced training on understanding this the science of exercise, kinesiology, anatomy, uh, biomechanics, biophysiology, things like that, that allow you to understand how the body works, how systems perform, injury prevention, things I, like that. Cause there's a lot of people, trainers out there just doing dangerous stuff. I think, I think as a, tr- uh, a trainer of the general population, you should start probably in a physical therapy clinic yeah because your goal as as a general pop trainer is to 
not make them worse than they came in for sure. But the issue is, like you said, most trainers start out as that hot shot bench press. I'll throw 500 pound. I got a 500 pound back squat. Yep. And now they're trying to train these because they're not training other athletes. Mm-mm. They're training general pop, yeah. but they're trying to train them like they do. As a 20 year old, a lot of these folks think and they've never seen a lot of these trainers think they're athletes, too. But I mean, but like like the the realization I had to come to. Right. I hadn't seen the way regular people move. You know, I'd only been around athletes and I saw them like, dang, these guys can't even do a push up. You know, this person can barely squat body weight. Which is fine, but you have to take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. It's not a knock on this person. Yeah, I'm glad you're here learning how to be fit again. Yeah, so I shouldn't train you like I do, yep. you know, but but that's the problem that I see. Yep. No, and that and that's that's where I, I see most trainers go wrong is they're not they're not adaptable yep. in their methods. They've got their system. Like I just heard that from a guy that I'm training now. Um, he was telling me the first trainer that he had was really good. Awesome guy was just like, um, you know, super adaptable, did exactly what the person wanted. And it's like, it's, it's one thing like trainers are like, oh, I'm going to give you what you need, not what you want. But it's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta give someone something that they like, like I'm, we're programming for a person right now that says they like lightweight, high rep hit workouts. So that's why I'm going to program this person, but I'm going to do it in a scientific and smart way that helps this person out. But at the same time, it's like, don't, don't just think that your system is one size fits all and works for everyone. Cause this same guy who had that good trainer just got out of an, I hate to throw LA fitness under the bus, but an LA fitness trainer. And the guy was just doing a lot of like heavy, like five by fives and stuff like that. And the guy was like, Hey, you know, this isn't, I'm just really trying to lose weight. I'm not trying to like be super strong right mm-hmm. now. I just like, I'm 60 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. And the guy's just like, this is how I train. Like he got a little upset about it. Apparently was like, like, Hey, this is, this is my method. This is how I, if this yeah. is how I train. This is how I'm going to train you. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Yeah. But it's like, dude, that is not a good idea for, um a business for, for a business or for a trainer like it's, dude you gotta you gotta be like water man like you gotta be able to adapt into any situation and that's where i feel like i'm a chameleon like i'm a chameleon in in my life normally and also as a physical therapist and a trainer like i can get along with an nfl guy and train that person and be you know like have that even um I don't know how to explain this, like, like connect with them on a personal level, Mm -hmm. but I can also connect with my 80 year old woman on a personal level. I'm not going to be the same way chameleon in my conversation and not that I'm like putting on any act. I'm just, I feel like I'm adaptable and that's a huge, I think that's probably one of the greatest skills for someone who works in as a personal trainer, as a physical therapist, you have to be adaptable. You have to connect to anyone. You have to be able to connect to everyone. And you have to be able to adapt to any situation, any training level. any So adaptability is huge. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think the way I see giving someone what they need is you have to, like, versus what they want and what they need is, like, ask them what their goals are. Yeah. Right? Like, then you decide what they need and what they want and show them how they may not equal each other. Mm-hmm. But... Like, like, let's say someone wants to lose weight and 
they also say they want to, uh, you know, max out on their bench and get their bench press up. You kind of have to talk to them about how like this is like losing weight isn't the optimal stage to be also gaining in something else. Yeah. You know, so so that's how you kind of approach that. But if someone says they just want to lose weight, like then you shouldn't be trying to also increase their strength. Their, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're going to increase strength, but you shouldn't have this program designed around that. Your, but, your goal is you can't if, if you're going to make someone lose 40 pounds, you're not going to rebody composition them to like gain a ton of muscle. There's going to be a fat losing phase and then there's going to be a muscle gaining phase. You can't. I think the problem is people don't that's that goes back to the poor understanding of, of physiology of, of certain trainers where it's like they think they can do everything like that, but they don't understand the principles of science. Well, and also the tough part is when you're young, maybe you've never felt much pain working out. And so you're like, yeah, I'm going to do a five by five heavy as hell. But every time I'm here, yeah. But you get a 45 year old who already has back pain every day, yeah. Like a five by five, like that is insane, yeah. You know, who who also is working 70 hours, yeah. Like, like you have, like, it's hard to put yourself in those shoes, but that's part of that chameleon that you have to be able to do, yeah. You got to be able to put yourself in those, and and on, you know, unfortunately, like for me going through certain injuries has really helped me well and 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 also i, wish I didn't have to i feel like the more you we we age as as trainers and physical therapists the better we are you know that that 20 year old trainer is honestly pr probably not going to be a good fit for that six-year-old client most of the time unless right. they have uh you have to have a whole different perspective on you have to be very mature and have a have a ability to like look outside of yourself but i feel like there's you know a lot of young 20 year olds that like everything is everything in their life and what they understand is based on their own experience yep. and they're unable to, to take themselves out. And that's, that's a, a harsh generalization, right? Like there's obviously very advanced trainers that are young, but at the same time, I feel like there is some aspect of like life and, and experience years mm -hmm. that like makes you train differently. Cause like yep. I train myself way differently than I was in, as a 20 year old. And I think I would have trained someone else differently as well. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think there are people who, who are older that just want to find that 40 or 50 year old personal trainer because they think that they relate more, which that might be the case. And if they have 20 years of experience and they've gone through it, they might understand it. Or you can get that trainer that has a wide variety of experience over a long period of time training a lot of different individuals yeah. and has the skill, like I think you do, to be able to step in. And I think you've developed this over mm -hmm. the last few years, which is like to be able to step into their shoes and go like, if I was this person, would I want to do this? Right. And if the answer is no, then don't train them in that, in that method, right? Like right. if I was 55-year-old woman who just wants to lose weight, would I want to deadlift? Yeah. Probably not. Right. So, okay, that's not what I'm going to do today with this person. And and that's the thing, man, is like I I am so – I highly base a lot of things off feeling. How is this going to make someone feel afterwards? How is this mm -hmm. going to make them feel during? Yep. Like, yeah, we'll get the results, but like does – this person benching 225 improve their life yep or does you know 185 
for or or getting their seven rep max up uh and and them feeling okay their joints feeling better uh and getting a pump like like does that serve this person best that's even the same with like even our nfl guys man like that we're training some of them don't want to go squat 400 pounds dude because they don't want their knees and their back and their hips to hurt either and they're fine going to 225 and that's the most they're going to put on the bar so we got to challenge them in different ways Mm -hmm. and that's just like it reminds me of that personal training request we just got yesterday where the guy said you know like hey i'm a beginner at this i also really want to be able to function the next day some people don't just want like trainers are just like, oh, how sore were you, man? Like how? Oh, were you really sore? Like you could hardly walk. Hell yeah. I'm sorry to tell you guys this, but there's a lot of people out there that don't want that result from their workout because they don't like being a, like I enjoy being kind of uncomfortable during my next day or, or like maybe not enjoy it, but I don't mind it. Yeah. There's a lot of people that that will distract them to the point where they can't get anything done. And then you've just done this person a disservice. So if this person comes in to us and says, hey, I've got to be able to function tomorrow, like we're actually going to start them out slow as they requested. This is what they wanted. They mm-hmm. understand that starting out slow is going to slow the result. They don't want to be beat up the next day. So don't beat them up so they can't walk the next day. Right. It's a simple formula. You have to be able to weigh priorities for people. Unfortunately especially after a certain age and just for most people in general, that is not their main goal, Yeah, right? Like lifting more weight is not their main goal. Like it is just something they're trying to add into their life. Yeah, And so like, if now the everything hurts and it's detracting from their main goal, like you, you, your goal should not be to detract from their main priorities. Yep. And that's how I see it. Yep. Exactly. So exactly. What other questions did we get? We uh, just one one other one was on soft tissue, and, and I I don't want to jump into this too deep because we already covered it a lot with the foam roller. I someone asked me about uh, about massage guns. Massage guns have become really popular. Theragun, Hypervolt, Tim Tam, all those different guns. There's a thousand ripoffs of of all those different versions. Jigsaw with the with the lacrosse exactly, <laughs> and and I think I I view them the same as foam rolling. I typically like the massage gun because I have one, I have a hypervolt. I like it better than foam rolling sometimes, especially for certain areas of my body, uh, arms, neck, chest. It's really hard to foam roll your chest. It's just kind of awkward to get in there sometimes. And I view it the same as that, right? Like you're not just going to like, like, like I've got a neck thing going on right now. I, I like lifted something that kind of strained my, one of my upper trap and my scaling. And right now what I'm doing is I'm massage gun hypervolting my, my upper trap on my right side and then i stretch my neck right after so i'm using it as that like short-term relief of pain and relaxation of the muscle and i get into a stretch same with like my quads my hamstrings like i don't just hypervolt my quad i hypervolt my quad and then i stretch after so using it i use it before i don't it's not really a recovery device honestly it doesn't like when i use it with my clients i use it while i'm stretching them or i use it immediately before like yesterday i used it on someone on their back i feel like just to relax their paraspinal muscles enough that i could do joint mobilizations and well, that worked say, really well you could feel the tension melt away on people's backs like it's it's not even a subjective thing like i'll feel a muscle it's very tight and and guarded you run the hypervolt over it for a little bit it feels looser but now you've got to do something to follow it up and so that's always giving me my answer with these soft tissue things or these self soft tissue devices like using a lacrosse ball massage gun their uh foam roll it's all 
I see it all the same way. It's just prepping your soft tissue to do something else. Well, and I feel like for you, it's more of like trying to save your hands and strength too. Exactly. Cause I could get the same result by doing a massage on somebody. And I do do that as well. I do massage techniques, but 10 because, hours of, yeah. And, and some things don't need a massage or sometimes I got to do the hypervolt, then a little bit of soft tissue work with the massage. And then that, or like certain areas are just easier to use the hypervolt. Like I, I do a lot of my NFL guys hips with that just cause like it's harder to get lotion in that area. And yeah. you know, we get up there and, and I'm not worried about like, like, you know, ex like exposing tissue to, to be able to do soft tissue work. And mo most of my guys are not worried about that either, but it like, I like to do active mobilization with the, uh, hypervolt going too. So I'll like have them in, in prone on their stomach and I'll be stretching their hips into internal external rotation and i'll be hitting the glute muscle the external rotators with the hy hypervolt at the same time to try to create some relaxation it's really hard to guard a muscle when it's getting hammered by a hypervolt right, so like right. you can't guard into like or like a hamstring if i'm hypervolting a hamstring and i'm stretching at the same time yeah. it's really hard to like guard a hamstring when that when it's like vibrating so hard right, right. so so it gets it helps me get a little bit of a deeper stretch sometimes um but it's not gonna like heal your tissues faster if anything if you go and hypervolt a really sore area it might get more sore it's like you know it's like getting beat up a little bit yeah. by, by the pressure um so i usually go pretty light i don't go off the high i don't go off the low setting like ever basically um maybe some people that have really dense muscles you should go to medium i never use the high setting on the hypervolt it's just i just don't think it's it's has any benefit to it yeah uh so, so that last question we got was uh how to set up a balanced diet and that's such a broad question but what i would say is you have to learn a lot about yourself first so i guess a uh, easy answer for a balanced diet you could say have some protein on your plate have some you know whole grains find some healthy fat source you know and and, and a vegetable vegetable and call it good yeah um maybe for some meals like maybe your breakfast you throw in some different fruits would be helpful for uh um for getting all your micronutrients but but as far as balance goes like that's going to come down to your goals what you want to do how you operate best that's like trying to talk about work-life balance yeah. it's like everybody's balance is different you got to know what your goal is and then try to find a balance in that like like for example, like. yeah, maybe for example, for me, like I don't want to be 5% body fat, but I don't want to be 20% body fat. So I want to be somewhere in like the 10 to 15 range, which is fairly shredded. So like, I've got to find a balance that strikes like enough meals that fit that goal a week, but also a couple that like keep me sane and keep me on it. So that is my balance where it's like maybe two, like quote unquote, you know, cheap meals or like less programmed meals. And then the rest is like vegetable heavy, lean meat heavy, like, like, you know, whole grain, like smaller portion of whole grains. Well, also it's like, how active are you? You know, like your carbohydrate, carbohydrate portion will vary based on how active you want to be or how active you need to be, yep. you know, like someone who works at a desk all day and does yoga, like, probably doesn't need 400 grams of carbohydrates every day. Yep. You know, they don't need half their plate filled with rice. Yep. But someone who's a marathon runner or working out, like, like we got our athletes in there. I'm like, 
sometimes I'm like, man, these guys are in here for two and a half hours. I hope they're going home and smashing that half plate of rice, you know, and like, for sure. and stuff like that. So and that's a different goal for a guy like that. That's trying to gain weight and get back in shape at the same time and, and, and replenish everything. he just And did. that guy just did a crazy amount of workout. Like he busted his ass. Not for, many people for two are hours. doing that. Yeah. For two hours. So that's the guy that needs that. So that is a different balance for him. But, you know, I think what I would say is, just start with the original thing we just said, you know, center it around protein. I would say just majority general population don't need half their plate filled with whole grains. I would say more like half your plate protein. Uh, the other top corner is uh, carbohydrates. Then you've got your vegetables and then some type of small portion of fat. Like, that's like an avocado on top of a, yeah. a burger maybe or your, maybe your oil you, salad dressing you yeah, know or like all oil yep mm -hmm. exactly like exactly i think that would work for most people and then you can kind of adjust from there you know yeah. maybe you realize you really like certain carbohydrates more and you want to add a little bit in yeah, where you, you know? feel better when you work out, when you're eating a little bit more. And mm -hmm. and yeah, it, it all becomes tweaking. And that's where like nutrition coaching comes in really handy is like 100%. someone can help walk you through all that stuff. And still get you to your goals. Because exactly. if you do it on your own, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. And you're going to go through maybe a whole year where you're like, I didn't get anywhere, but I learned. Exactly. Or you could just get somewhere because this coach has already learned exactly so all right man i think we answered a lot of good questions this is a solid podcast solid covered a, lot, covered a lot of topics if you guys have any topics that you want us to cover um send us send we'll us we'll try and put those, those q and a's up a lot more yeah, I think. we should start start busting out q and a so go follow us over on social media at easy wins mitch and at zach the pt well those are always i think in the the links to our socials are in the in our um the show notes um, and then, you know, look for our stories and, or you can drop a comment on a post. Those are good places to ask questions, but, uh, we'll drop some story like Q and a kind of stuff like podcast Q and a, um, which is good. You guys can always get your questions answered. Happy to answer them. Gives us good, good stuff to talk about. Cause you know, at the end of the day, we want to talk about things that you want to hear about, um, and that help you in your day-to-day -day life. Um, so Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for providing um, some questions for us and and uh, cool. Have a good have a good week coming up. Later. <laughs>